This podcast was recorded on Wednesday, June twentieth, at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And when it is legal, will you be lighting up? No, you know, I I never have, uh, and I don't. I've never smoked tobacco either. Uh, so this this body that you see here, it's a temple. And I will continue I to worship at the temple Some of Clement. Some worship different ways. <laughs> well, that unexpected zinger came from conservative MP Tony Clement the day after a historic vote legalizing marijuana in Canada. On Tuesday, senators bowed to the will of the elected House and passed Bill C-45, the Cannabis Act. Canada is just the second country in the world, and obviously the first in North America, to legalize, completely legalize the use of cannabis. But don't rush to dispensaries right away. Legal pot won't be available until October 17th, giving provinces and territories four months to roll out and regulate this new billion-dollar industry. There will be surprises. It's not going to be perfect. I'm Althea Raj, and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. June is traditionally a hectic roller coaster ride in Parliament, stacked with marathon days, midnight sittings, and heightened partisanship. These past few weeks have been no different, especially with a certain president seemingly keen on exporting drama. I think one of the things that we've seen uh, from the president is that he prides himself on a certain degree of unpredictability. The Trump reality show may be erratic and distracting, but the opposition have been consistent, branding Trudeau and his liberals as out-of-touch elites. The day Parliament rose for the summer, Tory leader Andrew Scheer zeroed in on upgrades to Harrington Lake, the official country home of the Prime Minister. $28,000 to groom his cross-country ski trails, $5,000 for a new golf cart, and more than $4,000 to wire up his new sauna. But I have to come back to the swing sets. I, I, I've bought several for my family. I'm trying to imagine what goes into a $7,500 swing set. The week ended with the passage of that landmark pot legalization bill, but it began with a significant by-election loss for the Liberals in Quebec. The party is licking its wounds after losing its first by-election since Justin Trudeau became party leader in 2013. And that's where we'll start off. Is this Quebec setback a foreshadowing of things to come? Has liberal momentum gone up in smoke? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Stay tuned. Well, it seems the Conservatives have snatched the Shakutami Le Fuel riding from the Liberals. PC candidate and well-known junior hockey coach Richard Martel jumped into an early lead in the federal by-election, well ahead of the Liberal candidate Lina Boivin. Martel has captured nearly 53% of the vote, with the Liberals at around 30%. The NDP and the Bloc Québécois candidates are bringing up the rear with close to 9 and 6% respectively. It's interesting to note where the Bloc is standing right now because... For many, many years, uh, they held this riding. We've showed Canadians that when we have a strong message and when we stick to our principles, Conservatives can win anywhere. The 
Les nombreux Québécois et Québécoises que j'ai rencontrés depuis que je suis chef me disent qu'ils ont, ont assez des vieilles discussions sur l'indépendance. That was Conservative leader Andrew Scheer extending an invitation to Quebec nationalists tired of the independence debate. Scheer gave his caucus a big confidence boost Wednesday, introducing his newest MP, Richard Martel from chicoutimi le fjord It's the first time since the 2015 election that the Tories have managed to snag a seat previously held by a Liberal. Scheer's team made a big play for the riding. They leaned on former Bloc Québécois leader Michel Gauthier to encourage former separatist and nationalists to ditch the Royal Party, currently leaderless and in an existential crisis, and vote Conservative. Scheer also made a number of Quebec's specific promises, more powers over culture and immigration, a single federal-provincial tax return, and a crackdown on asylum seekers crossing the border. Not so long ago, the Grits won this NDP seat in a four-way race. So there were lessons for all parties this week. Uh, obviously, uh, the uh, electors uh, spoke clearly, but I uh, certainly take a certain amount of solace in the fact that uh, the vote percentage of the Liberal Party uh, stayed stable. Um, we obviously have to reflect on uh, the shifting landscape in Quebec with what happened to uh, the NDP vote and the bloc vote. But I think we're still uh, uh, obviously uh, too, uh, too early to draw significant conclusions about what's going to happen a year from now, uh, but we will continue to work very hard uh, in every every region of Quebec and every region of the country uh, to make sure that our message is getting through. It is a disappointing result. It shows that clearly we've got a lot of work to do in Quebec. Um, we started doing that work already. We started with uh, some meetings with our Quebec MPs, our Quebec team. We're going to have more conversations and we're going to do some more work around what can we do to, to turn this around. It's something that's a top priority for me and I'm going to commit myself to working on it. By-elections a lot of times deal with the local candidate and the Conservatives had a very well-known local candidate and I don't think it's particularly reflective of what will happen in Quebec in the next general election. In Chicoutimi during, if you take the 10 last year, every party went there. Bloc Québécois had a MP, NDP had a MP, Liberal had a MP, now it's the Conservatives. So these people during the last 10 years just look around and say, who will represent us correctly? That's to my opinion, what is the most uh, important message from that by-election? You know what? Uh, I think the Conservative Party are going to do whatever they have to do to win, to win elections, uh, including uh, catering to sovereignists. Gérard Deltel, MP from Louis Saint Laurent, Quebec province. Let me ask you about the Quebec by-election. Obviously, uh, a very big win uh, for your party, something that you guys have been planning for. Well, you had a candidate that was there since December. Um, the Liberals are suggesting that uh, the Conservatives are basically cozying up to the separatists in order to form a, a bigger tent. What is your response to that? <laughs> Not at all. And if they are doing and they're saying that, uh, that kind of stuff, it's first of all, they don't understand anything about Quebec politics. And secondly, this is a proof, without a shadow of a doubt, that they are very afraid of the new reality in Quebec. Yes, we are a serious alternative. We build this stone by stone. You know, we, open, uh, we have an open letter from, the, from our leader opening the door to Quebecois. Look at us, we are open mind people. And after that, we had this uh, fantastic consultation in Quebec, meeting thousands of people, asking them, what do you think we should do as a government? We listen to them. And then we have this tremendous uh, success with our convention in Saint-Hyacinthe, with the support of a new member, like the mayor of Trois-Rivières, and yes, like the former leader of the Black Quebecois, recognize that independence is no more the agenda. And if we want to be part of this country, the best way is to support a conservative who have a real 
idealistic platform and very serious leadership, not the case with the actual liberal. So if they say that, okay, keep, it, keep that in your dreams and keep that in your, in your mind, that's fantastic. With that situation, we will have a huge success in Quebec. Is the blueprint Brian Mulroney's coalition government? Well, difference. Uh, this is a different situation. As you know, when Mr. Mulroney arrived, uh, René Lévesque was Premier of Quebec, and Mr. Mulroney was a native son of Quebec. Uh, native son, but also, you know, green, uh, deep, deep, deep uh, Anglophone roots with his Irish, uh, Irish heritage. Now we have a new reality. It's very difficult to make some comparison between uh, one situation and another one 35 years later. So many... Uh, Water flew under the under the, the the bridge. Is that the way to say that in English? Thank you. Um, so you know we address the issue today with a new reality, and the reality is that okay, we all recognize that the independence is no more the agenda in Quebec, even in the provincial level, the separatist group, the Parti Québécois that put it put it aside. So this is a new reality of Quebec, and uh, we all recognize. I live in Quebec. I know them quite well. I know there is still some separatists, but they are not the majority, and I think most of them realize are now realizing that it will not happen. So. What are we doing now? So the door is open, but we're not hunting. We're not hunting people. If they want to come to us, if they support our vision of Canada, of a strong Canada, with a strong Quebec presence, a Quebec recognized as a nation among a strong Canada, well, you be welcome. So guy like uh, like Mr. Uh, the Mr. Gauthier, thank you, Mr. Gauthier, people like Mr. Gauthier realize that yes, we are the, re the real serious alternative for the actual liberals. But it's interesting because you have an opportunity with the Bleu Québécois basically imploding, this new party, Québec debout, that doesn't have a leader, uh, the NDP struggling in Quebec under Mr. Singh, basically struggling uh, everywhere, actually, if the by-elections are any indication. Surely this has to be a, a way for Mr. Scheer, even though he's not a native son, to be able to grow the tent. Well, a lot of people are interested by Mr. Scheer, say, oh, I, I heard, I've seen your, your new boss, he's a good guy, you know, I, I best trust him, that's, that's fine, but it's more than that. There is something that we control in politics and there is other things that we cannot control. We control our, our own agenda. In January, we have that, that vision, you know. Okay, we'll have open letter, we'll have a consultation, we'll have our big uh, rally, and we also have this by-election in Chicoutimi. But there are some things that we do not control. The collapse of the bloc, we didn't control it. Uh, the NDP collapsing, we have no control on that. But it's for sure, I have to recognize that it's a plus for us, but it's not... We, not we are not base, base our um, strategy on that. You base your strategy on yourself, not base the strategy of, oh, okay, this, uh, the opponent will collapse, so that will be good. I, you cannot control that. You control your own agenda, and our agenda is very serious. There is something else who's coming the next month, and we're working on and people appreciate what we're doing. Uh, what is this thing coming in the next month? Just follow us. Uh, what challenges does it pose to have uh, and basically an Anglophone leader who speaks a bit of French? We're noticing Mr. Scheer speaks a lot more French in question period especially. But what challenges does it pose to have somebody who's kind of unknown in the province? Well, I, I think that's what I said earlier is that people uh, discover. People are discovering our new leader. They don't know him. A year ago, nobody talked about uh, Andrew Scheer. And two years ago, nobody... Not a, not a, maybe two person in Quebec knew Andrew Scheer who was two years ago or three years ago. But... 
Now people are discovering. People are discovering him. And they, they really appreciate what he has done at the Tout le Monde en Parle, his famous Tout le Monde en Parle interview. Uh, you know, it's sad to see that, okay, now this is the real big test for any politician to go at Tout le Monde en Parle, but that's the reality. And he did well. Why he did well? Because he was himself. He didn't play a role. He didn't try to be like Justin or like uh, I don't know whom. He was himself. And that's the key in politics. Be yourself. People will like you, people will not like you, but at least you're honest with yourself. And if you're honest with yourself, people recognize that. And then people in Quebec appreciate the man for what it is. He's a honest man, he's a very positive one, he's a father of five, he's involved, deeply involved in, a, in his conservative roots and policies, and that's great, and explain it frankly, and he's, he didn't try to, to dodge some issue. You know, the first question that Tout le monde en parle was very clear. Well, talk about abortion, talk about uh, assisted suicide and all of that. Oh, it was a real bang, frank question. That's what politics is all about. And he gave clear and honest answer. You know, I had the privilege to know Andrew for the last three years. And I knew that this guy will be appreciated by Quebecois. I can feel that a little bit, you know, sometimes. You know, well, a good guy, but not... A, I know Quebecois will like him. That's what we're building now. But it's not just a one-person issue. We're talking about the team spirit. We're talking about great candidacy, as we had in the like Saint-Jean, in the, in the Chicoutimi writing. And we're talking about good policies. We will offer our party and our platform and our team to Canadians in a year from now, and then the people will decide. But I think we're on good way. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Gérard Deltel is the Conservative Member of Parliament for Louis Saint-Laurent. While much of Canada's attention is focused on playing nice with our southern neighbour, the House of Commons has actually been pretty productive. We asked several MPs coming out of their caucus meetings on Wednesday what they think Parliament has accomplished these past few months. Do I remember? <laughs> My name is Robert Falconulet, Member of Parliament, Winnipeg Centre, and uh, pleased to be here, uh, standing, uh, I guess, in the hallway of, uh, of the portraits of the Prime Ministers. Well, uh, the government has obviously accomplished lots of things, but I think what have we accomplished for the people of Winnipeg Centre, I think, is even more important. We obviously increased the Canada Child Benefit to make it uh, in line with inflation so that uh, we actually try and lift more kids out of poverty and people don't, don't slide back into poverty. Uh, for me as well, Indigenous languages, and a report was just tabled in the House yesterday, so that's an important uh, step and milestone, representing 21% of, of my fellow citizens. Uh, who are now uh, hopefully be able to hear their languages in the House of Commons. Uh, you know, perhaps not all the time, but when it's required. Uh, my name is Yvonne Jones. I'm a member of Parliament for Labrador and the Parliamentary Secretary for Crown Indigenous Relations and Northern Affairs. From a more personal perspective, it would have to be around the work we're doing with Indigenous uh, communities in Canada. We have added over $5 billion in new investments in Indigenous communities. Add to that the fact that we are negotiating and, and signing educational agreements that are allowing First Nations uh, communities to run their own education systems in this country. Dan Vandell, Member of Parliament for St. Boniface. St. Vitel. 
We did a lot of things. Yesterday, of course, the uh, the mayor, the cannabis uh, uh, bill was approved. So that's something that's uh, uh, that's going to be very positive for Canada. We've been debating the last few weeks, uh, enhancing the Environmental Assessment Act, uh, all sorts of bills on fisheries, on the uh, the Indigenous file. Uh, you know, times have never been better for the Métis Nation of Canada. Uh, I know the Métis of Manitoba, of which I am a member are very happy uh, with uh, Budget 2018. Anthony Rota, Member of Parliament for Nipissing-Timiskaming, Assistant Deputy Speaker. We have a lot more on the agenda for this term than we did in the past. If you want to put together good legislation, it takes time to produce and put it together. So it slowly came forward, and it's there, uh, and we've passed quite a bit of it. Uh, I think overall, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been very productive. Would we have liked to have seen more? I think it's always possible to see more. Rachel Harder from Lethbridge, Alberta. What do you think the government has accomplished this sitting? Well, they've sure made life a whole lot more expensive for every single Canadian. My name is Tony Clement. I'm the Member of Parliament for Perry Sound, Muskoka. It's been a very tough session for this government. They haven't accomplished a great deal. Uh, taxes are higher. Uh, the economic instability is higher, uh, particularly when it comes to our trade relations with the states. Uh, there was a disastrous trip to India uh, that uh, is still echoing in the halls of Delhi, no doubt. Uh, so uh, there's it's pretty thin gruel. Uh, I think the, the, the only thing that I think that they would say that they've accomplished is the cannabis bill, which finally got passed. But other than that, in terms of affordability to live in this country as, as, as people and as, as families, so it's a lot tougher place than it was uh, six months ago. We are now, as taxpayers, proud owners of, uh, of a rusty pipeline uh, worth $4.5 billion on the, on the liberal books, but worth $2.5 billion in terms of the actual market book value. And then we would have to spend billions more to actually construct a new pipeline. So that was a, a wonky decision, if ever there was one. My name is Alexandre Boudris. I'm the Member of Parliament from rosemont la petite I think that uh, marijuana is something that is uh, really uh, clearly a gain for the government, a success. It was a promise they made and they, uh, they were finally able, uh, even with, with the fight uh, with the Senate, to, uh, to make it uh, legal. So for them it's a, it's a good thing. Um, they, they, they took the decision to impose some tariffs to the uh, to American products. So, in the reaction of the uh, the attacks uh, from President Trump, and it's something that rallied, I think, all Parliament behind the Prime Minister. So, but it's really rare that I, I, I say good things about about the Liberal government. So, enjoy it. Let me ask you what you think they should have done better. Oh my God, um, a lot of things. Uh, as the environment critic, I I really don't uh, accept that they spend billions of dollars to buy an old pipeline in, in the West against the will of a lot of uh, First Nations, the, the, the government of British Columbia. I think it's a bad investment and it's bad for the, uh, the, the future jobs and the environment. Elizabeth May, Member of Parliament for Saanich Gulf Islands and leader of the Green Party. So I have to say, in, in looking at their record, the broken promise, of course, on elector reform is huge, and that was that was February 1st of, of 2017. But this year's uh, betrayal on climate is most crystallized in a decision to buy a pipeline and push it through. Uh, the commitment to carbon pricing is definitely a plus. And anytime I hear conservatives attacking carbon pricing, 
I have a natural impulse to defend liberals. But when I hear liberals claim that they've solved the climate problem because they brought in a carbon price, I have to point to the truth, which is, look at the science. You guys are condemning our kids to an unlivable world. Two years ago, I wrote a piece noting that the Trudeau Liberals had passed the fewest number of bills compared to any other government of the past two decades. While the government's House leader, Barty Schager, was anxious to let me know, she's improved the record. In no particular order, uh, Bill C-74, it's a Budget Implementation Act, Bill C-45, Cannabis Act, Bill C-46, Impaired Driving, C-65, Harassment in the Workplace, C-59, National Security, C-50, Political Fundraising, C-49, Transportation, S-5, Tobacco, C-66, Historically Unjust Convictions, C-25, Business Corporations, C-68, Fisheries, C-69, Environmental Assessment, C-57, Sustainable Development, C-55, Oceans, C-48, Oil Tanker Moratorium, C-47, Arms Trade Treaty, C-21, Customs Act, C-62, Public Sector Labor Relations. That's a mouthful. It is a productive parliament. (laughs) Minister Chagger, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. So obviously you've had a pretty productive session. The last time I think we spoke was back in the fall where you had a press conference in the foyer. We're in your office right now, just uh, outside of these doors. And you said, I'm going to be forced to bring in time allocation because things are not moving as fast as I would like them to. I'd like you to um, give us a sense of behind the scenes, how, why this parliament, or rather why this sitting has been much more productive uh, than last year, for example. So what I would say is, ever since taking on the role of government house leader, I have kept an open-door policy. The more information I know from opposition leaders, house leaders, about how many members of parliament want to speak, how much debate is needed, the better it is for me to plan accordingly. And there are some pieces of legislation that the opposition just cannot agree to, so then we have to make the decisions we need to make. Why I had publicly stated, basically telegraphed, the need to use time allocation more often was because there was not an appetite to want to work better together to make that happen. We committed to Canadians that we would be more open and transparent. So using time allocation is something that I felt was necessary for me to share with Canadians so that they knew why I was using time allocation. Elizabeth May had a press conference, the leader of the Green Party, this morning, and she said basically that from where she sits in the House of Commons, she believes the NDP and the Conservative are in cahoots to make your life miserable. Uh, She pointed to a six-hour debate that we had last week on um, Central uh, America Heritage Month. Latin America Heritage Month, yes. That lasted six hours uh, as a way of filibustering something that uh, you wanted to move. The use of time allocation is anti-democratic. And almost every bill is being time allocated. But I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the NDP in opposition are much more prepared to work with the Conservatives in opposition than they were in the 41st Parliament to work with Liberals, if that makes sense. So right now, although I'm never in the House leader meetings, I surmise, based on what's going on with shenanigans, that the NDP and the Conservatives are working together to drive the Liberals crazy and and allocate time in Parliament in ways that are not efficient. We had a six-hour debate one night last week on Latin American Cultural Heritage Month. And they were able to find speakers to fill up all six hours. It's the first time I've ever been given a chance to speak on a private member's bill in this place. 
because they didn't, nobody had quite enough speakers keen to go forth to talk about Latin American Cultural Heritage Month. It was all about messing with Bardish Chager's agenda for that night, which was we were supposed to get back to C45, but we couldn't because for six hours we were debating Latin America. That's a very useful recent example. Oh, the references to empanadas. Oh, ole ole, the sombrero. They really had very little to go on at this point. Do you get the sense that the NDP and the Conservatives are in cahoots to make your life miserable? If we take that private members, the Senate private members bill as an example, it is something that had unanimous support. Um, So yes, we want to make sure members of parliament's voices are heard on that legislation, but how can we better utilize time? So when it comes to the parties that are not recognized because they do not have 12 seats in the House, something we've done is try to share um, opportunities to debate. And when it comes to Ms. May, there is important pieces of legislation that we need to ensure that she is representing her constituents, her stakeholders on. And one way we've done that is by making sure that she has the opportunity, the ability to be able to speak. Um, So I think she knows that I do endeavor to want to work better together. But we also have to recognize that the opposition has an important role to play. They have a role to hold the government to account. I would encourage them to do it in a more productive way, such as not maybe using six hours of debate time on a unanimously supported Senate private member's bill. So much of the public's attention and uh, the executive's attention has been on managing the relationship with the U.S. president and uh, discussions over NAFTA, now discussions over tariffs. Um, For Canadians who feel like the only thing the government is doing or preoccupied with is Donald Trump, um, what is your message to them about what's actually happening here on Parliament? When it comes to our Prime Minister, when it comes to this government, we will remain focused on Canadians. All Canadians have a checklist of what they want to see us do. We know that we will continue to try to deliver for Canadians. There's been times where it's not been such a smooth process moving forward. And we have listened to Canadians and we have adjusted accordingly. What we will not ever compromise is the best interest of Canadians. And if it works for middle class Canadians, those working hard to join it, if it works for our economy, if it protects our environment, we will continue moving forward because it's the right thing to do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good summer. Bardis Chagger is the Liberal government's house leader. While the house is going on a break for the summer, and so are we. Unless, of course, something big happens. Like a cabinet shuffle, perhaps. A big thank you, as always, to my partner in podcasting, HuffPost politics reporter, Zian Lum. Our technical producer is Stephanie Warner. Andre Lau is our executive producer. I'm Althea Raj. You can reach me through social media at Althea Raj, A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J is my handle. Send us comments. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review there. We're ending this episode with a spirited invitation from Tory MP Stephanie Cousy to members of all parties, Conservative, Liberals, NDP, Bloc, Quebec Debout, Green, Independence, CCF, to join her on the Midway at next month's Calgary Stampede. The Stampede is just simply 10 days of gosh darn fun. Whether you want to ride the Midway, watch the rodeo, take in the grandstand show, or attend one of the amazing concerts, I invite y'all on both sides of the house to come to Calgary for the Stampede! Yeah!
promise that was not an ad. We just loved her enthusiasm. We hope you take some time this summer to visit all corners of our beautiful country. We certainly plan to. Bye.